Hello and welcome to the fantastic football feast that is Tinker Talk. As always, I'm joined by the EFL Cup to my FA Cup, Josh Andrews. How are you? I mean, okay, sure. Why not? I'm I'm the League Cup because I only allow professional footballers. Uh, I'm good. How are you? I am also good. We never say um, anything more than that, do we? No, I. But I don't think if we weren't good, we'd be like. Yeah, I'm terrible today. Things are really bad. <laughs> Wouldn't look good professionally, would it? No. Um, but that's fine. So, uh, I mean, I, I just said about the AFL Cup and the FA Cup, so we might as well start there. Um, we want to kind of talk about the importance of the FA Cup and why we think it's so much more valued than the EFL Cup. So if you want to start off. Yeah, sure. Um, it's the oldest club competition club cup competition ever i'm pretty sure that is a fact and uh, yeah i'm pretty sure that is right and and yeah it's just it historically it's always been one of those competitions where it's like oh big upsets can happen every season i know it happens less often now but because always these big upsets happen they happen sort of like in, you want to talk about teams like wimbledon in the final in you know against liverpool a number of decades ago and all that it's like things like that like they are massive for any small club, and it just happens more often, I think, in England than it does anywhere else. Yeah, that definitely seems to be true, and I mean, this year's come kind of, especially, sort of, it stood out a lot with Lincoln and and Sutton. Yeah. Um, Despite the semi-finalists. Yeah, the semi-finalists, however strong strong as they possibly could be, really. Yeah, um, I, can't, I can't really think of a much stronger semi-final lineup ever. No. No, we'll touch on that in a moment. Um, sure. But just, I mean, I kind of, I I do have a couple of reasons why the FA Cup is perhaps considered bigger than the FL Cup, which is, you know, one of those, one of those things is what you've just said about it. It's kind of history. But in in all reality, for the big clubs now, it, it still offers the same kind of incentive. They, they get European football from it. So, um, I mean, do you think it's, Maybe do, to do with the kind of timing in the year that the EFL Cup takes up compared to the FA Cup? Well, yeah, I mean, the FA Cup takes, you know, the, the semi-finals and the finals. They all sort of happen around crunch time of all the league and the Champions League for the club, big clubs that are still in. Like, it is all congested right at the end of the season where all the teams sort of feel like they have to, you know, like, fight for these sort of competitions just a little bit more. Especially for, like, the teams. May, say you've got a team, for example, like now in Man United. I know they're not in it, but... Um, who are not particularly fighting for anything else. So the FA Cup is of more importance for them than it would be, say, in February when, okay, yes, they won the EFL. Man United was a really bad example, but I'm going to run with it anyway. Yeah, yeah, keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's just um, they've got more to fight for in February than they would in April, May. Yep. <laughs> Just to, to not to like to criticize the analysis there with the example. But Man United still in the Europa League. <laughs> Just out of the FA Cup, but nothing to fight for. No, nothing to fight for at all. <laughs> Love it. I don't have faith in them. No. no. <laughs> um I mean the the draw obviously is kind of pitted Man City against Arsenal and Chelsea against Tottenham. Um, Chelsea obviously getting there by beating Man United and it was quite a heated kind of encounter on the touchline. 
between uh, Mourinho and, and Antonio Conte. Yep. Um, basically, it was just a bit silly, wasn't it? Like, what was the yeah. point? I mean, you know, uh, Conte kind of was taking exception to the kind of persistent fouling on Hazard by the Man United players, which was something that Mourinho actually touched on when he was at Chelsea about people doing that more often than necessary. So it is kind of ironic that his team, you know, Man United now, went out and did seem to have that kind of approach towards dealing with Hazard. And uh, obviously Mourinho was greeted with kind of jeers because of that kind of thing. Which point he kind of signalled three fingers to the crowd because he's won three titles with Chelsea, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, What's your kind of impression on that whole thing? Well, I mean, he said in his post-match interview that until Conte wins four Premier League titles, that he's number one at Chelsea, and which seems like a bit of a redundant thing to say because he's not at Chelsea anymore. So, I mean, why bring it up in the first place? But, I mean, this is the whole post-match interview thing that me personally, I don't really get anyway. Like, when when you're doing post-match stuff, why continue the mind games? It just seems a bit Yeah, it does childish. seem a little bit silly, yeah. Um, I think... I think what Mourinho was kind of a... Or at least it seemed to me that he'd kind of taken offence a bit to kind of to Chelsea fans not giving him the respect that he thinks he might have earned there. Do you think that's fair? Um, fair or otherwise, your Man United manager get on with your job. Yeah, I, it's just I completely not worth disgusting. To be honest, it's just yeah, it's it's kind of um. I just think he's maybe a bit kind of... I think the the way things ended for him at Chelsea, and obviously Chelsea as a club meant and probably still does mean a lot to him. I think it probably hurts quite a bit to see someone else there having success and then him getting jeered while the other the other guy, his replacement's getting praise, or, praise after praise after praise. Well, just as a quick sort of thing to touch on, um, Mourinho has sort of said, like earlier on in the season, that defensive you know, football, um, potentially hinting at, you know, the way Chelsea have been playing under Conte this season, um, is now sort of getting into sort of fashion and is sort of being more appreciated as it, as opposed to when it was when he was managing at Chelsea. And maybe that only compounds to the potential envy that we might be talking about. Yeah, but, I mean, not to sugarcoat it, he's wrong there. Chelsea uh... this season have been far more adventurous than, for the most part, during any of Mourinho's kind of reigns there and let me let me just clarify what I mean by that Mourinho's teams occasionally would start off the season playing some good kind of expansive flowing football but it never lasted more than two or three months at most and then they'd go into their okay we're ahead now let's consolidate our lead kind of thing whereas Chelsea under Conte haven't really done that they've just kind of carried on performing the way they have been all season um fair although I do still think that you could call Conte's style of play defensive. The only difference is I don't think it's as, you know, boring. I think it's defensive in a different way. It's a, it's a front foot kind of defensive. You get what I mean by that? Like, it, he's, they defend forward rather than always watching over their shoulder, looking backwards kind of thing. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not the kind of defending where they're happy to have sit 10 men behind the ball. It's the kind of defending where they want to 
crowd out the ball wherever the ball happens to be. You know, yeah. if that if that's you know on the edge of the box on the right wing, or if that's on the halfway line, Conte's happy with it so long as it gets you know the ball gets back into Chelsea possession. Yeah, I mean, in essence, it's not the kind of defending that Man United did during that match after they went down to ten men. No. Um, just a kind of it's kind of been a discussion point. I already know what your view is on it, but whoever red card correct or not? Uh, yeah. Um. It's 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 one of those things where it's like nothing was particularly cynical or dangerous or anything like that, but it's just silly. Yeah, it was completely stupid, especially after Jones and I can't remember who else it was had literally just been warned like five seconds before about their fouls on Hazard. Yeah, uh, just to, just to quickly touch back on the fouls on Hazard thing, you'd think Mourinho would know of a better way to deal with Hazard than fouls, because Hazard was getting fouled ridiculous amounts during Chelsea's title winning season and I mean he still was amongst their best performers. Yeah you, you would hope that um, someone who's kind of been coaching someone for X amount of years would maybe pick up some weaknesses other than well you know we could trip him. Yeah, yeah. I mean um, Mourinho has always sort of said that he thinks Hazard you know I mean I say always I mean he, he did say that he thinks Hazard could be as good as Ronaldo I mean maybe now that he's gone he might be um, I don't <laughs> see that happening. Um, I hope you kind of blew the smoke off your gun then. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There we go. Um, <laughs> perfect. Sorry if that came across quite loud over the microphone. <laughs> I think so, right? Um, I don't see Hazard getting to that level, but he has improved a lot this season. I think yeah. in no small part down to the fact that he's actually working really hard defensively. Yeah. Um, which is obviously something he was always criticised for. While Mourinho was there, sure. Um, so yeah, the draw. What do you think of the draw? It is the draw that I wanted to see the most, and not from a fan perspective, but from a footballing perspective. I think Chelsea Tottenham is probably the hardest draw that Chelsea could have got in terms because Tottenham has you know beaten them before, and yeah. they they obviously know how to. And I think Manchester City Arsenal has the you know potential to be one of the most exciting matches in the FA Cup. I'd I'd definitely go with that. I think it's you know Chelsea Tottenham will be a really kind of intriguing battle, and I think that will be entertaining in it, with its own merits. Whereas I don't think Chelsea versus Arsenal would have been a particularly entertaining game. No. Um, in the same way that perhaps Man City and Chelsea, more of a match for a final kind of. Has that feel to it? It's kind of two tacticians going head to head. Do you think that will be the final? Um, it's quite hard to tell, in all honesty, and I really, I really like that. Um, I think that would be the f- kind of the f- they would be the two favourites to go through to the final. I agree. Um, but you know, it could be a North London derby in the final. It could be Tottenham City. It could be you know Arsenal Chelsea. So. It's it's quite nice to see the FA Cup getting to the point where you literally have no idea who's going to come out as as the winner. From a neutral perspective, what's the final you'd most like to see? Um, oof. I, I think City-Chelsea. Which isn't something I would have expected myself to be saying <laughs> at the beginning of the season. Yeah. But no, I, th- I think, um, you know, I think Conte's proven this season that he can get his team to play really well. Um, 
and well, Guardiola's Guardiola, and cup finals are his cup of tea. Yeah, cup of tea. So what you did there? Yeah, yeah, like that. Mm-hmm. That was totally intentional. Sure. Um, obviously, you know they Guardiola's got his little love affair going on with Wembley as well. Um, no, like I. That, isn't it? <laughs> I think that, I think there's a lot of kind of interesting stories and kind of outcomes that could happen with the FA Cup, mm-hmm. and I, I don't think it's particularly kind of clear cut what's going to happen, which makes it all the more interesting. Yep. Speaking of clear cut, can you guess where I'm going with this one? I feel like I should be Leicester. saying yes, but I oh right. Yeah. That that was not clear cut, and you know, thinking Sevilla would probably go through. I'm not going to pretend I wasn't hoping Sevilla would go through. Uh, no, me neither. But you know, we're we're completely neutral here. Um, Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, their their kind of bounce back continues under Craig Shakespeare. What yeah. did you think of them against Sevilla? Um, it's difficult to say this without being emotionally sort of fueled, to be honest. Um, I won't pretend I'm not disheartened by Leicester being much, much better since Ranieri's gone. Yeah. But that being said, Sevilla's defensive performances probably warranted a Leicester victory. And that's not something I expect myself to be saying. 24 hours before the match started. I would I would probably agree with that to an extent. I think um, Jamie Vardy has suddenly come alive again uh, after sleepwalking through the majority of this season so far. Well, before, before yeah. Ranieri got, got sacked. Half a season hangover, wasn't it? Big party. More than half a season. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so he's, he's come alive. He's running in behind. He's closing down defenders it was quite odd to see the you know against Sevilla in the first leg you could see that Leicester what Ranieri wanted was what they did in the second leg which was they want he wanted them on the front foot but in the first leg the midfield and defensive kind of unit so that was indeed drink water and then the four defenders mm-hmm. didn't step up and help with the press Sure. Whereas in the second leg they did that, and I can't see any possible reason, except for that they actually wanted to put in the effort for Craig Shakespeare in the second leg. I can't see any possible explanation why they would have done it in the second leg and not the first leg. Well, didn't something get released in the news earlier on this week saying that Shakespeare had more of a part to play in Leicester's title win than perhaps we'd all realised? Yeah, uh, Kevin Phillips, who was coaching at Leicester last season, now he's at Derby, um, mm. Last season, he was saying that because obviously Ranieri's mother was um, ill for. I don't know if if she was ill for a large kind of period of time or if she's just not particularly well anyway. I mean, she's obviously an old lady. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of him kind of flying off to Italy and that on a fairly frequent basis, sometimes uh, Shakespeare and Phillips would be taking the training sessions. Sure. And apparently, that was quite a frequent occurrence and. You know, the uh, Craig Shakespeare's been there for, unless I'm mistaken, I think he's been there for seven years. Right. So all the players kind of know him. And since he's been 
put in charge. He has gone back to the team that won the league last season, pretty much. Yeah. Um, which, I, I, again, this is speculation, obviously, but apparently they uh, the Leicester players weren't particularly happy with people like Slimani and uh, Mendy and Ndidi and Hernandez, those kind of players who weren't there last season, coming in and automatically going into the first team ahead of players who, you know, they won the league last season. Yeah, but I mean, at the same time, I don't think that's justification. I know you're not saying that it is, but it's not justification, I don't think, for Leicester to just stop performing. No, no, no. I completely agree. It's ridiculous. Um, And if... I mean, I really don't think they stand a chance of winning the Champions League. I think they'll go out in the next round, no matter who they get, because, you know, every team in it's better than them. Um, sure, but Sevilla were better than them, so you can't you can't say that with total certainty. Sevilla, if they took their chances, would have gone through. Again, can be said about any team. You would have said that about every team Chelsea faced in their Champions League winning well. No, of course, but um, I think when over two legs you miss two penalties, for example... Uh, and missed the amount of chances they missed in the first leg, some of the chances they missed at the end of the second leg. Sure. I think when a team's that dominant, if that keeps happening, and I could see that continually happening, because no disrespect to Sevilla, I've said on this podcast before that I really like Sevilla, I think they're really, a really good team, especially under Sampaoli. Mm-hmm. Even then, not as good as at least six of the teams still in it. So... The fact that Leicester scraped through and got very fortunate to get through against Sevilla, I think they'll struggle even more. Come on, if Leicester play against Barcelona, they don't stand a chance. I quite would like to see that. Yeah, so so would I. Um, or, you know, anyone else who can put 15 past them. Oh, Leicester Bayern. Oh, give me that draw, please. <laughs> Not to sound like I'm biased or anything, but that's, that's a draw I want to see. I, yeah, I... I would like to see them get a, a big, big team and yeah. hopefully it will go the way that I would hope it would. Sure. Um, there's a lot of uh, of kind of dis- disdain towards Leicester on this podcast now. <laughs> yeah, sorry if any of you guys are Leicester fans, but... I'm not. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, another upset tonight, obviously, with Man City crashing out. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? <sighs> that was a really strange sound effect. Sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, it surprised me. It definitely the Monaco win didn't surprise me, but that they went through definitely did. I didn't expect such a meek performance from City's defense. I mean, they were obviously much better in the second half, but defensively, I think City looked shaky all game. Just wasn't really up to scratch. I'd agree with that. Um, we had a little conversation kind of just after the game. Right. And you kind of criticised John Stone's performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't actually respond to that, but I actually think he was the only defender there who actually kind of gave himself a bit of credit for City. I think uh, in the first half, he was quite unlucky with the first goal because he, he made a terrific block and kind of couldn't get up in time to prevent the cross into Mbappe, who was phenomenal. Um, looks like a fantastic player. And we said this last week as well, I believe. Well, a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. But looks fantastic. But um, Stones, yeah, I think, you know, he was next to Kolarov. Kolarov is obviously not in there for his defensive ability. No. 
uh, and Clichy and Sanya, you know, as as much as they put in a lot of effort and they, they do try their kind of hardest every game, they're players who aren't getting any younger. They're not really that energetic or anything like that. They're not players you'd expect to see in City's first team next season. No, definitely not. Um, I, I think I'd probably say the same about Kolarov. Yeah, sure. Uh, remains to be seen because I would have said that at the end of last season as well. Um, just to get to why I thought what I said about Stones, um, his on-the-ball play today, he was very slow. Every, every every opportunity he had to play the ball, he took about three touches more than he needed to. Um, oftentimes, having to turn around and play it back to the keeper, it just wasn't the kind of performance that you'd expect from somebody who's used to playing the ball out. I do understand that, but I think if you keep a kind of eye on Stone's regularly he does like to try and organize players around him when he's on the ball right and this is something i didn't even kind of notice until fairly recently but you'll see he kind of gestures a lot with his hands for players to move into certain areas sure and i think what you said is is right he did take a lot longer on the ball but i also i think that's a huge credit to monaco because the way they kind of pressed and hounded city for the majority of the match uh they kind of stepped off the boil a little bit for a little bit in the second half. Yeah. But the, for, mo- for the most part of the game, they were on them in a, in a flash. I, I think, you know, uh, I mean, Guardiola dropped De Bruyne deeper, but before that, he was silent. David Silva was silent. Fernandinho was getting bullied. Uh, sure. And Stones, obviously, couldn't get it out very quickly. But, yeah, I, I think, I understand what you're saying. I just think Stones wasn't, as bad as perhaps your comment kind of afterwards made me think you thought he was. No, I mean defensively he made he, you know, was probably one of City's better performances. Performance performers, sorry, but um, I think on the ball he hurt City, especially on the counter attack. City had so many opportunities on the counter attack to attack that game, and they did nothing almost every time. Sane was the only one who looked really threatening. He, yeah, he does every every game though. No, fair play, but yeah. um, you know, I think I think especially, and I know it's you know last sort of fifteen minutes of the game, but in the last fifteen minutes of the game, when City had opportunities on the counter attack, Sane looked like the only one who was really actually busting along to get forward, and that isn't acceptable. I I'd, I'd agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we were just talking about John Stones. Sure. And this is going to be another beautiful Tinker Talk segue. Right. We were talking about John Stones, who obviously was a kind of big-name player at Everton. <laughs> right. And another big-name player at Everton has this week refused uh, to sign a new contract. Yes. What's your impression of this whole Lukaku situation? Um, I'm not surprised. I think... It is about the point in Lukaku's career where you could definitely see him taking a big step up. And I don't mean that in any disrespectful way to Everton. I think Koeman's got them playing really well this season for the most part. But I do think Lukaku, in terms of ability, is better than Everton now. I definitely don't think that's unfair. Apparently the disagreement over the contract is because of a release clause. Uh, I think Everton understandably want it higher than Lukaku perhaps does, or Lukaku's representatives do. Sure. Um, 
still the possibility that they might work something out there, but do you see Lukaku leaving at the end of the season? Um, I think with his, I guess, availability, I don't know if that's the word you'd use, but I think with it being known that Lukaku wants a, a lower release clause, you'd expect he'd want that so he attracts attention from other clubs. And there are plenty of clubs, I know we've spoken about this before, who we think he could go to. And with that being said, yeah, I think he probably will go at the end of the season. Do you have any ideas of uh, who Everton might look to to replace him? Who do you think would be a good signing? I'll put one name out there, a player we both really like. Sure. Would be nice to see Joe Moreno. Oh, I would love to see Joe Moreno at Everton. Yeah. Just for uh, context, Joe Moreno's a striker for Espanyol, who, you know, the likelihood of some people having heard of him is probably quite low, but he's um very energetic, but also quite physical striker. Yeah, we'd seen him when we went to a few preseason matches at the beginning of last season, was it? Yeah, just before Villarreal sold him for two million. Yep, and yeah. I genuinely think he is the epitome of what a defensive forward should be. Yeah, I think he'd be a kind of good signing for them. They were linked with Belfordil as well. Of course, he used to play for Inter Milan at Standard Liège now, which would sure. be a weird signing. Mm-hmm. Do you think they'll be missing out on Gabbiadini? Ooh. Uh, yeah, he'd be he'd be a really good sort of player for them to have. Um, I'm not really sure to go back to your initial question about who I think will go to him or who I think should I mean I think Everton will probably do their absolute best to keep him at least for one more season regardless so it'll be an interesting way to see how that unfolds really yeah that'll be a, a transfer saga to kind of watch over the summer or not watch depending on how you feel about those kind of things <laughs> how can you not love a good transfer saga Ugh. <laughs> Unless you're a fan of the club, in which case it hurts. Or if you're just a fan of hearing different things every day. Yeah, yeah. A bit boring hearing the same transfer rumor over and over again. Yeah, that's that's true. But you know, with with what one in fifty being real. <laughs> Truth. Uh, breaking news: Lukaku close to signing for Bolton. Yeah, yeah, that'd be. You, hear, you heard it here first. Uh. <laughs> Tinker Talk exclusive. Trust. Right. Um, Huge scope. One, you know, this in this podcast we've kind of had a fairly interesting talking point mm-hmm. in kind of each episode recently. And there's there's a fairly kind of, there's a bit of news that's kind of gone under the radar a bit this week. But we wanted to talk about it and kind of tail off it and talk about some success stories. Right. Essien has moved to a club in Indonesia to kind of try and kickstart footballing interest there mm-hmm. to an extent, uh, try and kind of grow the profile of the, the league. Yep. I just want to talk about some players who've made similar moves in the past and who you think succeeded in increasing the profile of said league, who you think's kind of been a failure. Um. Well, there's 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 the two sort of bigger growing um countries right now in terms of football, that being the MLS in America and obviously everything that's going on in China right now. Um, obviously you can look at players like Drogba going to China and you know guys like Beckham and Lampard going to America. It's like, these are all sort of big names that have gone to these places and have 
raise the profile of it just a bit. But I do think that for these players, it's obviously a lot easier when you consider the money that these countries will have to invest in the football over there. And I'm not necessarily sure if FCN and Indonesia will necessarily have that same sort of financial back. Well, I'm fairly sure they won't have that kind of financial backing, but I don't know how much backing that they'll be able to have over there. And it'll be interesting to see if the profile in Indonesia increases with SEN there or not. Yeah, yeah. you would assume they kind of put a interesting project before him and that's what kind of made him want to get involved. Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, Beckham wonders for the MLS. Uh, it's kind of a well, or at least a much more well-known league now than it would have been before. Sure. Before he went. Uh, Drogba... Robert to China is an interesting one because it could be argued that he was a su- success because the profile with the league increased and now look at it. Mm-hmm. Whether or not he had too much of an impact on that or an influence is another matter. Well, he is one of just many big name, big money sort of signings that China have made over the last year or so. I mean, it was... Yeah, I mean, obviously he went there quite a while ago. Uh, sure. But, yeah, I mean, he was kind of... he. I think he went there with, with Anelka at a similar time, and now, obviously, you look and you've got players in their prime going there. Mm-hmm. Players like uh, Oscar. Which and... I think I think is probably the kind... Yeah, uh, Teixeira, Ramirez. Teixeira yeah. was the one I was thinking of. Hulk, to an extent. Mm. I think that they, they're quite like Brazilians in China. Um, I'll just leave that there. Yep. <laughs> but uh, I think the MLS, obviously their kind of long-term goal will be to try and get the players in their prime going there rather than people hanging up their boots at the end. And mm-hmm. they've kind of, they made a, a bit of a step. I'm not sure if you would have uh, kind of seen about this transfer, but as someone who's actually linked with a few Premier League clubs, was signing for Atlanta United, who, you know, their, their manager now as well was uh, Tata Martino, who obviously used to manage Barcelona and Argentina. Yep. They signed a midfielder called Miguel Amaron. Right. And he was quite, you know, not heavily, but he was linked with a, a bunch of clubs in England. And he's definitely kind of a young player with a lot of potential who, you know, it's the kind of signing that the MLS will be hoping they can make more of, you know, the, the young players who really want to go in and, you know, make an impression in that league rather than coming to well, Europe as uh, the normal destination. Yep. Um, I think their whole project will also involve a lot of youth investment within their own country as well. Um, I don't think you can really grow a league without having sort of your own sort of... I don't want to say just homegrown, but, you know, historical foundation within the country itself. Yeah, the kind of basis in, you know... The the MLS, they'll want to do the same as China actually want to do. China's goal is obviously to win the, or have a team capable of winning the World Cup by, I believe, 2050. Uh, I'm sure US have, the US have similar ambitions with the MLS to develop their, their own players and improve their national team. Yeah. Talk about a couple of kind of less successful moves in terms of increasing a country's profile. Uh, and one I actually forgot about, and I believe you forgot about, forgot about as well until I well, we remembered it earlier, was uh, when Del Piero moved to Australia. 
I didn't even realise that happened. Well, now you do. Brilliant. Uh, so he moved at the same time as Heskey, so you know. I didn't realise that happened either. No, wait, yeah. yes it is. Almost even that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they, they had... They had their, their famous Heskey cam, where the camera just followed Heskey for a whole game. Yep. Yeah, best way to watch football. Um, but yeah, Del Piero went there at the same time, you know, the kind of ambition being to increase the profile of the league. And I don't think he did that at all. And, no. you know, Del Piero obviously being a world-class player, legend at Juventus. Mm-hmm. So it shows, it shows it can be difficult, especially for one person. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I don't think you'd really know much more about Australia now, Australian football at least now, than before. Um, and I think that's probably how you judge whether or not a, a player was kind of successful in his increasing of the profile. I'd agree with that. In next country. Uh, another one that I put down that maybe, you know, you'll see maybe some improvements in the near future, but Chavi's move to Al Sad hasn't really increased the profile of the league there either. No. No, um, which was obviously the intention. Sure. I wish I had more to say on this sort of thing, but because these, you know, things haven't really created much of an uproar, I, I honestly can't say I know that much about it. Yeah, which is, you know, which is the point. Yeah, uh, I've got, I've got another couple. Um, obviously, with the kind of Indian Super League that they have now, mm-hmm. which I think works in a really odd way. It's only a few months of a year. And play players go on a one year contract sometimes or something like that. It's just it's, it's a bit silly. Uh but Anelka was one that I had down. Um he moved to the Indian Super League in two thousand fourteen. Right. And uh I think at the same time as players like Ilano went there and uh Jungberg came out of retirement to play there. Oh, wow. And you know, they they didn't realise either of them. No. So, so this is kind of my point, you know, that that's obviously not really <laughs> increased the profile of of the league there. And actually, on a bit of a tangent, with rela- relation to the kind of Australian league and the Indian league, mm-hmm. to be honest, this, the, with regards to the players moving there, the, a couple of the clubs that have kind of become invested in it have probably raised the profile more, at least in, in my knowledge. So I think, I'm not sure if they won the uh, ISL, but At- Atletico Madrid actually own, own a franchise in the Indian Super League, which is Atletico Dil, Atletico Dil, Atletico de Kolkata. Right. Um, and I think Helder Postiga actually plays for them, or played oh. for them. Okay. Uh, so that's, you know, I mean, I know about that. I don't, I couldn't tell you any of the other teams. <laughs> uh, and Australia, obviously, uh, the City Group bought, uh, who was it? Oh. You tell me. A team. Brilliant. Yes. <laughs> Melbourne, I think. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but, that, I mean, that's... Uh, I was going to say that's kind of increased the knowledge for me, but that's obviously not true. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. Another weird one, which is kind of a tongue-in-cheek one, because he was pretty useless by then anyway. Robbie Fowler <laughs> moving to Thailand. <laughs> Uh, let's just leave that there. Yeah, I, I think that's <laughs> it's probably a good one to kind of wrap up that little bit of a little bit of a discussion there. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was kind of look at. It. I think Ronaldinho went somewhere as well. It was a bit obscure. 
I can't remember where that was either, so that didn't work. No. I mean, obviously now he's the, you know, director or one of these sort of bigger people in Barcelona, so... Yeah, come back home. Yeah. I think... Where would home be Brazil? Uh, gone back to his third home. Sure, anyway, go on. You were going to wrap that up, (laughs) and then I cut you off so rudely. (laughs) (sighs) Ah, very rude. Um, resisting the temptation to say how wooed. <laughs> uh, yeah. Are there any kind of players you could see being a big enough name to go somewhere a bit obscure now and maybe drag up the profile there? What about Ibrahimovic to the MLS? Um, I I think that would be a good move for both leagues, but at the same time, I think the MLS is growing as it is. Whether Ibrahimovic should make it go faster or not, I don't know. But it'd be interesting to sort of see it happen. Yeah, he's definitely the type of player that would bring more attention to the MLS. Uh, the reason I bring that up, obviously, LA Galaxy have confirmed that they're interested in bringing him in next season. Sure. Uh, and he has previously said that he'd like to, to conquer the States as well. Uh, I think he said N- Napoleon never did it, but but he wants to. Brilliant. Compare yourself to Napoleon. Why not? Yeah, sounds like Zlatan. Yeah. Um, do you have a question for me? Oh, we're at that stage of the show already. We are. The show. <laughs> Jesus. Um, I do. Right, going back to the uh, FA Cup semi-finals. Um, this is the first season in a long time where four teams from the top six have actually been involved in the, you know, the semi-finals. All four teams have been in the top six. When was the last season in which that happened? And you get two points if you can guess all four teams. This is going to hurt. Yeah. Do I get a point if I just guess the teams? I'll be impressed if you get the teams. Okay. How about that? Is that good enough for you? Um, I feel like I feel like during this thing we should have like a little countdown, like thing. I <laughs> would just add so much pressure. That's just I know, but it'd be so funny. Um, was it Arsenal, Man United, Liverpool, and Leeds? Can you give me a year? Two thousand and one. Oh, you were so close, but I'm afraid not, and you weren't that close either. Oh. It was the 2008-2009 season. Oh, that was a lot more recent than I was hoping. Uh, Arsenal, Chelsea, United, Liverpool? It was Arsenal, Chelsea, United, and Everton, I believe. Everton? Okay. Yep. Was that the Chelsea-Everton final? I believe so. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. I'm glad you gave me an FA Cup related question because I've got one for you too. Oh, great. Well, I actually get it. FA Cup and EFL Cup, actually. Oh, God. Maybe not. Uh, Can you tell me the last team and when it was to win the FA Cup and EFL Cup in the same season? Ooh. Ooh. Do I have to give you the season as well? Yes. Uh, 
Okay, just because it's the first one that popped into my head, and I, I honestly... Chelsea 0607. Well done. Boom! Get it. Sorry, I celebrated help? that quite. <laughs> yes. I'm really happy with that. <sighs> and on that crushing defeat, I don't even think I can do the outro. Uh, that's fine. Um, yeah, um, I'm the victor of the rubbish quiz that we do at the end of Tinker Talk quiz. Champion quiz thing. <laughs> um, if you like this podcast, as ever, please like the Facebook page, subscribe to the YouTube channel, listen to us on SoundCloud, follow us on Twitter. I don't know what else you say at the end of this thing, but you know, all, 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 the, all the good social media stuff. Just come um, look for us, find us, give us love. Yeah, and you know, leave comments, tell us what you think, give us your opinions. This is this is this is the whole point of podcasting and discussions you know we we want to hear from you guys so yeah please please do share 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 the love and yeah we will see you all next week hasta la vista very brief